When I was a kid, I remember hiding either like in a tree or in, uh, behind a couch or something from my brother or friends, and I remember calling out like this and saying, Daniel, this is God. I want you to know that you are a dummy. You know, sometimes we wish that God would speak audibly to us like that. But more often than not, the Bible tells us that he speaks with a still, small voice. Now, if you're here and you're a believer this morning, God speaks to our hearts with uh, promptings and uh, movings in our heart. And uh, he asks us to do things normally we might not do, like help someone when we're busy or to step out and to connect with someone or to uh, give and help even when it hurts. But all humans are born with an echo of that voice that hearkens us back to where we came from. Whether you're a believer or not, God has put things in you that are echoes of a voice that harkens us back to where we came from and where we belong. And we've looked at the first two echoes, uh, the first being justice and the second being spirituality. And this morning, we're going to zoom in for, to our need for relationship. Relationships are on our minds this time of the year because Valentine's Day is coming up, right? <laughs> I tricked y'all, right? That was last week, right? And chocolates and flowers and uh, expensive dinners, candy hearts. Uh, we hear words like soulmates and kindred spirits made for each other, matches made in heaven. The problem is they don't always stay in heaven, right? Do they? Sometimes they take a turn. And not all fairy tale, uh, uh, not all relationships have that fairy tale ending or that happily ever after. And isn't it strange how we? ache for connection with each other, and yet we find relationship so difficult. It's hard for us. We know we need it. We know we uh, desire it, but it's hard. It falls apart. N.T. Wright says this. He says, despite all the debunking of marriage in the Western culture over the last generation, despite the desire for independence, the pressure of double career couples, the soaring divorce rate, a world full of new temptations... Marriage is still remarkably popular. Millions, perhaps billions of dollars are spent on weddings every year, and yet every other play, film, novel, and perhaps one in ten newspaper reports involves domestic tragedy, which is a fancy way of saying that something went dramatically wrong with a relationship or a married couple. See, we have the desire to be with someone, but it's more difficult than it sounds. And although we all have this desire for relationship, we often find that we're not very good at it. And we saw this same thing with our last two echoes, with justice and spirituality. We all know uh, that justice matter, that, that matters, that right and wrong, they are important, but it slips through our fingers. And we all agree that there's such a thing for spirituality and connection, but it gets distorted. And people get taken advantage of, and people get hurt. And in the same way, we all know that we belong in community and that we need social interaction. And yet many times we're tempted to slam the door and to go and pout alone. We all know that we belong in relationships and friendships, but we can't quite work out how to get them right. I personally very much enjoy being alone. 
That is for a while. Now, Tori, she can't be alone for like two hours without getting lonely. She'll call me or, or text me about 10 o'clock after I went to work at like 9, and she'll be like, hey, what's going on? Is it, uh, you know, I'm lonely. Uh, whereas I, uh, she'll take trips to uh, Missouri for a week at a time, and uh, it takes about day three before I'm like, all right, it's time for you to come home. Why don't you go ahead and, and make your way there? But I couldn't imagine being alone for an extended period of time, days and days and days on end. They've shown that solitary confinement has real long-lasting mental trauma on people. Being alone isn't what we're made for. Being stranded on an island is enough to make us all mad. Why? Because without human interaction, we begin to lose sense of who we are. Now, relationships come in all shapes and sizes. Not everybody in the room here is married. Some are single and some are looking. And uh, who's looking? Raise your hand. I'll connect you right now. Uh, <laughs> the rope ball. You guys aren't supposed to be looking. That's, that's the right way to go about it. But we need relationships, whether that's through marriage or friendships or familial uh, relationships. We all need it. Now, in other cultures, it's, things are much different. Sometimes whole villages in other places of the world have deep relational bonds. In Indonesia, we talked about a few months ago how uh, in their culture, every male in their tribe is known as uncle and every female is known as auntie, and they have that connection. But our American culture is becoming more and more disconnected from each other. And we trick ourselves into believing that likes and shares are real human interaction. And we've uh, forgotten how to communicate without those little pictures. And we put our weaknesses and vulnerabilities uh, away and we lock them up and we only put perfection on display. And yet mental illness and addiction and violence are as high as ever. Empathy is a lost art and insecurity is thriving. And we feel this deep call within us that this is not right, that this is not how we are made to relate to one another. Why? Because God made us to live in connection with each other. In fact, that word relationship literally means the state of being connected. In an article from uh, Northwest Medicine, the author states this. He says, as, human uh, as humans, the relationships we form with other people are vital to our mental and emotional well-being, and really our survival. Humans have an inerrant desire to be close to other people and to connect and build relationships. While a man stranded on an island talking to a volleyball isn't necessarily healthy, his compulsion for company is. And that's because the fact of the matter is healthy relationships, rom romantic relationships, friendships, uh, familiar relationships, Healthy relationships can make for an overall healthier lifestyle. And some of those benefits of close relationship are less stress. People with close, committed relationships are linked to less production of cortisol, which is a stress hormone. Not only that, another benefit is better healing. People with very close relationships are three times more likely to survive the first three months after surgery. A little emotional support can go a long way towards helping a person recover from a procedure or an illness. Also, a greater sense of purpose. It's natural for us as humans to uh, strive to 
fill that need in us to be a part of something bigger. Many people want to feel like they're doing something good for someone else and improving the world in some way. Being in a loving relationship, no matter what kind, can give a person a sense of well-being and purpose. In fact, uh, it's possible that having a sense of purpose can actually add years to your life. And that's another uh, benefit. The last benefit of, uh, of close uh, relationships is a longer life. Adding years to your life is a real benefit. And research suggests that having healthy uh, social relationships make a, makes a bigger impact on aver- avoiding early death than taking blood pre- uh, pressure medication. One study even suggests that a lack of social relationship has the same effect on, healthing, uh, on health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It's important for us to have these close relationships. You were made for relationships, and it's not just a spiritual thing. It's a physical thing, and it's a, a mental thing, an emotional thing. Now, everyone's unique and has their own needs and desires when it comes to relationships and handling stress and, and healthy, meaningful uh, livelihood. And you might be that person that enjoys being alone, and that's okay. But attempting to make a, at least one close relationship could mean noticeable difference in your mental and physical and spiritual health. And sometimes having a one close friend that you can go to and talk to can make all the difference in the world. Even if it's a trusted coworker or even a therapist or a counselor, someone to walk through uh, issues like social anxiety and depression, uh, that can be very valuable. And it might be difficult. We normally, those of us that don't like to put ourselves out there, uh, it, it makes it hard for us. But we need it. And even just having one or two strong, healthy relationships in your life can have a positive effect on your uh, health and spirituality. Why? Because you were not made to walk alone. God put an intense desire in you for relationships. And that intense desire for relationship is a mirror of his passion for relationship with you. And it's so strong in you that, I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but your brain desires to see faces. You could see faces in a cloud or in a, a grill of a car or in the bark of a tree or in a burnt piece of toast. You can see, hey, that looks like a face. Do you see that? And our brain is uh, made to have connection with people. We have an innate desire to be connected with other people. But many people tend to play it off like, well, I'm just a loner. No, you're not. You need relationship. And you may be better at being alone than some people, but you still need connection outside of yourself. Now, the biblical uh, creation account tells us that we are made in God's image. And what does that mean? Well, uh, great rulers in the world have always set up statues of themselves in prominent places. They would often set up images uh, in faraway areas that they had conquered. And for a king, the point of placing an image of yourself in that country would be to remind the subjects that you were their ruler and to conduct themselves accordingly. And that is what we are. We are the images of God. We are ambassadors for God. We are here to point to the ruler and his power. And we should be an image of who God is. And relationship 
is part of his image. We have a desire for relationship as a reflection of God's desire for relationship with us. This is why he commands us to love others like he loves us, to love our wives and to even love our enemies. And as believers, our relationships should be pictures of the relationships that God wants to have with each and every one of us. Helping, sacrificing, listening, encouraging, at times correcting. These are all things that God wants to teach us. God, you can look at any attribute of God and he wants you to be that for other people. If you, want, if you uh, read the Bible and you see a promise that says God is loving, that's what God wants you to be for other people. Whatever you expect out of a relationship with God is what God expects for you to have in your relationships with other people. 1 John 4, 10 says, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. See, God loved us, so we reflect his image and love to one another. Acts 17, 27 says that we should seek God and perhaps feel our way towards him and find him, yet he is not actually far away from each one of us. For in him we live and we move and we have our being. He is not far from us and we should not be far from each other. See, time is the most valuable thing that you can give away. Time is what makes the most difference in your marriage in the lives of your kids, in the lives of your friends and family. Time is what will make the difference in your neighbor's life and the difference between them being depressed and lonely or feeling loved. The time you give to a waitress at Texas Roadhouse might mean the difference between suicide and a long, fulfilled life. Why am I saying this? I'm saying your life matters. You have an impact on this world. And the best thing you can do with your time is give it away. See, as Christians, we cannot, we cannot hide behind the excuse of shyness and insecurity and self-consciousness. All of those are self-centeredness in disguise. We must care more about the person's life next to us than we do about a little awkwardness. Proverbs 18, 24 says, a man that has friends must show himself friendly. See, the Bible is absolutely clear that we need to spend time with each other and connect with each other because we are a reflection of God and we are made for relationships. Romans 12.10 says to be devoted to one another, to honor one another over ourselves. Romans 15.7 says to accept one another. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says to agree with one another and be in unity of mind. Ephesians 4.2 says bear with one another. Have you ever had to bear with someone? You're like, I'm bearing with you here. Ephesians 4.32 tells us to be kind and compassionate to one another. Why does the Bible have to tell us to be kind and compassionate to one another? Because sometimes I want to be mean and not caring to people, right? Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Why do we have to forgive each other? Because people are going to do things to you. They're going to hurt you. And we need to forgive each other. And it says here, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Ephesians 5.19 tells us to sing with one another. 
Ephesians uh, 5.21 tells us to submit to one another. What does that mean? That means let other people go first, listen to other people's ideas, and let other people rise to the top. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Colossians 3.13 says to bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. You matter. Your time matters. Even the time you show up here at church, you might say, well, no one even will notice if I'm not here. But it matters to that person that you were going to sit with and the fact that you're not there singing next to them. You're not there praising God next to them. You matter. First Thessalonians 5.11 tells us to encourage one another and build each other up. Hebrews 3.13 says, encourage one another daily, not just Sunday, Right? Encourage one another daily, not just Sunday. I'm getting stuck. I'm going to say it again. Encourage one another daily, not just Sunday. It doesn't say that part. I added it, but you know what I'm getting at. It says daily, as long as today is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Hebrews 10.24 says, let us consider how we can spur one another towards good works and loving deeds. You might say, well, so-and-so, they never do anything. Well, what are you doing to spur them to do something? What are you doing to call them into what they ought to be doing? How are you walking with them? Hebrews 10.25 says, let us not give up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. 1 Peter 3.8 says, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Do you get the point here yet? Do you see a pattern here? The Bible assumes that the church family would be as close, maybe closer, than your real family. The Bible assumes that we would spend time with each other and we would check in on each other and we would welcome people in with open arms because Jesus welcomed us in with open arms and not just on Sundays, but daily, every day. See, no one should ever come to this church and leave feeling lonely. Why? Because we are made for relationship. And the church is one of the ways that God intended for us to make that happen. See, how can we weep together with each other if we don't know each other? How can we help correct one another in love if we don't spend time with each other? How can we encourage one another if we don't know what people are struggling with? This whole thing called church doesn't work if this is the only time that we're together and we just sit in rows and look at each other and look at one person on the stage. This isn't how it's supposed to work. We've got to reach out. We've got to uh, get past all that awkwardness and that, uh, that excuse that I'm just shy and I'm not good at introducing myself to one, uh, people. I'm here. This might sound mean. Get over it. Get past it. Why? Because someone needs you. You don't know what that person next to you is struggling with. Hey, this town has deep-seated problems. And your hello and your hey, why don't we go out to lunch? Your hey, uh, I'm glad to see you again might make all the difference in the world to somebody. 
You're, hey, how, why don't we connect on social media so I can see what's going on in your life, and I'll, when I see that you're struggling with something, I'm going to reach out to you in your private messages and tell you that I'm praying for you. Hey, what if we did that? You never know what kind of impact you can make on someone's life. Jesus connected with people. The God of the universe had time for lepers and the blind and the cripple and the sinner and the prostitute, and we should too. Because how can you ever be a person who shares their faith if you don't know anyone that's not an unbeliever? How could you ever possibly be a witness if the only people you ever reach out to are the three Christians that you've known for 45 years? You've got to get out there. And this is something I struggle with big time, and Josh and I talk about this all the time. Because My day very easily can just be talking to two other people that are in full-time ministry. And Josh and I have been struggling with, how do we get outside the church? How do we get in front of people that we don't know so that we might show them the love of Jesus? I have to do better, and I have to find ways to spend time with people that are far away from God. Why? Because people in our town, in Clarksburg, West Virginia, are uh, craving for relationships. And God wants a relationship with them. But how can they hear unless we tell them? God wants the church to be a place where sinners can come together, you and I, and love and encourage each other in the faith. And that only happens if we spend time with each other. Time equals love. You do not love someone if you do not give them any of your time. Time equals love. And as a church, we must begin to build our model of who we are as a church on that principle. I'm going to give my time away, even when that person might not ever be able to do anything for me. See, everyone on this earth, believers and unbelievers, have this echo of a voice inside of us for relationship and connection. God put that there. Valentine's Day is all about that. It's all about uh, having that relationship and someone filling that need. And God wants to fill that need in the entire world. Jesus wants to be the friend that sticks closer than any brother to every person in Harrison County. They need it. We need it. So let's determine that we're going to give our time away to people that may never do a single thing for us or for the church. Let's connect with people and then connect them to Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I pray you work in my life on these hard sayings, God. You know my heart and how it's easy for me to walk by someone and it's easy for me to say I'll, I'll hit them next time. God, I pray as a church that you would Help us decide that this is who we're going to be, that we're going to be people that love people, and we realize that that means we're going to spend time with people. Maybe it's people that we don't even really have a lot in common with, but they're fellow believers in Jesus, so we have the greatest thing in common with them. Maybe it's people that are far away from you, God. And we realize how much of a difference our time can have in their life. God, I pray as we 
go into this time of reflection and uh, invitation, God, as we meditate on these thoughts. Lord, I pray every single person in this room would search their heart and say, who am I helping with my time? How am I showing love with my time? How am I getting in front of people that need encouragement? When was the last time I stepped out and asked someone how they were doing when I wasn't really doing that good? I'm going to put my shyness and insecurity and self-consciousness to the side because I love people. Lord, as we go into this invitation, I pray that you would help us to think about these things, God, and dwell on them. In your name we pray.